you're making a lot of decisions this coming season. Like whether or not to make it IG official. If you should let Bae see you in your wig braids. Or even if you should let your friends see this person's face at the Kwanzaa turnip. Now, imagine if any of these decisions were up to your employer. That's absurd, right? Yeah. But your employer can now decide your birth control options this cuffing season and onward. That's because the Trump administration recently rolled back birth control coverage, thereby allowing your employer to deny insurance coverage on religious or moral grounds. As if they have morals. And no, no one should be able to take away your access to birth control. Not politicians and show enough not your boss. Planned Parenthood invites you to join them in the fight for affordable birth control for all because access to birth control should not be a luxury just for the Kardashians. (laughs) 62.4 million people across the country benefit from birth control. This is happening now. If you think your employer should not decide whether or not you rely solely on Bay's weak-ass pull-out game or believe you should be able to use birth control for whatever reason you have and want, it's time to get loud because birth control is a human right, not a privilege. Get involved by texting JOY to 22422. Again, text JOY to 22422 and Planned Parenthood will periodically text you ways to fight back. Message and data rates may apply. Now let's get into the show. This is Amber J. Phillips, the High Priestess of Black Joy. And this is Jazz, the King of the South. And you're about to listen to the, the Black, Black Joy Mixtape. Hey, what it do? Now. Seggy Denim, 1995. I be rolling them out on the side with my Tommy boxes on my Calvin Klein. Ooh, baby, ooh, baby, you love to get fly. Mm-hmm. Gotta get him, Ralph Lauren denim. Patches on that ass, my ass is good fitting. 1995, I'ma listen to Sublime. Drink that 40 ounce to freedom to the day that I die. Gonna listen to me, Selena, drink a 40 and cry. Gonna roll me up a beat, mama. Oh, we're back on the mic, my homies. Man. Two more news of just White House. <laughs> Chaos. So the Apprentice White House edition does not have camera crews. It's just going through the news headlines. I don't see how nobody got that shit on an iPhone X. Because it's a effect. It's a melodrama that's playing out in headlines. Like they already been building up. Amarosa already got kicked out of the White House trying to get her wedding photos on the lawn. Listen, she already been cast as you know not following the rules, having an attitude. Just a lot of drama. Mm has been in place so now she then got fired not by the man that she's been claiming is her good friend good friend even though he has fired her ass before season finale before like this ain't no new shit for amorosa she's been to this exact position before but now she's fired by a fucking associate nigga yeah so the Apprentice White House Edition season finale. Who's fired? Has just played out. Omarosa <laughs> has been fired. Not by Nan, 
but General Kelly. <laughs> you tell him he can say that shit to my face. Goddamn. To, to which Amarosa went slap off. So oh, right here. Man, I know it was epic on too, On the Black Joy mixtape, we Ooh. have an epic reenactment <laughs> for you all. This is how we suspect it went. Amber, you go ahead. And um, you... Amarosa, can you come into the uh, the front door? Yeah, what's up? <laughs> Kelly, how you doing, man? Um, so, you know, it, it's been a rough year. Yeah, uh, truly. You've done great to represent your people um, mm, and yeah. leading them towards total destruction and domination. I we t- thank you. I totally have. Thank you. I have. I work really hard. But uh, Trump has said that this is this is it. This is we. You're going to after the new year. You're not going to return. Return where? Here. This uh, this part of this part of your journey. You're not going to be. Yeah. Can I have your badge? Actually. Um. What? <laughs> I think not. There must be a mistake, Kelly, because I'm doing a lot of work. I come in here quaffed. I go on a lot of black television. I have been to the NAACP multiple events. really justifying my (laughs) allegiance to this fuckery. I know you are making up. You know, you got me fucked up. In fact, who the fuck do you think I am? You ain't messing with no average bitch. Boy, Ooh, I'm turning that I'm fucking all your, your shit, boy. And um, um, Amarosa, can you calm I down? Am, You're acting like a nigga right now. You're acting just like him. Oh, a nigga? No, I am the dragon breathing fire. <laughs> Angela Rye cussed you out again. You uh, keep letting it happen. Oh, beautiful man, I'm the lion. Goddamn <laughs> security, <laughs> security. Get your shit. Get <laughs> your <laughs> shit. And they proceeded <laughs> to drag her ass. I know she was just her blowout, just tossing in this air, man. It was an afro by the time she left out. She Woo! sweated all that out. You know she called. She let the. She called a couple people a motherfucker this week, man. But what I will say, this speaking to her of the drama, <sighs> the drama that Amarosa about to say, air out, man. She about to be on all the shows. I hope y'all Girl, ready. bookings galore. If mm-hmm. I was her, I just get your suit. Get your nicest suit ready, bitch. This like, book that she about to what be. What color are you wearing, Amarosa? <laughs> what lip? Are you going to do Fenty Beauty? What you going to do? No, we, she can't do none of that. But what she will do <laughs> Amarosa don't give a fuck. white people will fund her ability to pay for this wig. Yes. You know, pay off all them expenses. I thought she, well, whatever. I don't care, I don't girl. Know. Just get your seven-inch package and get the fuck on. They said she set off the alarms of the White <laughs> House residency, like, as if anybody lives there. You know, Amarosa ain't going to admit to doing any of this. Girl, you know, she I said she's going to say, I left out peacefully. I don't know what they're talking about. I hope she makes it her mission to drag this nigga you through know, the media. I hope she has documents, copies of shit. Like, I want Amarosa to really tap into the most pettiest part of her being and just be for the just switch sides again. I would go off too to get fired by the nigga who got a like while I'm sitting next to a anthill. Like you remember <laughs> Kelly got the damn ants in his <laughs> office. Kelly so this whole conversation, old girl just killing him. <laughs> 
And so I would go the fuck off too. You have to survive roaches and rats and all of that. And they have the nerve. You you mm, gotta mm-hmm. have the stench of the White House on you. You know how when you go to work and every work day like, I live here, I smell like shit. <laughs> <laughs> every day my husband can't stand to hug me. Cause how? I just smell like supremacy and fucking <laughs> Dreams deferred, bitch. How degrading is it that you gotta get fired by a nigga who got an anthill in oh his office? That God. is disgusting. Yeah, girl. All right, now All remember right. to use the hashtag Black Joy Mixtape. Again, it is the hashtag Black Joy Mixtape across media platforms. By all means. But also, do not forget to rate, uh, subscribe, and follow. And share iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. The original. (laughs) (laughs) Man. And um, be sure to share with at least three of your friends. You know, this is a great show. Um, This is a great show, nigga. All right. So back to the part that we we love to hate, you know, the originators of the oppression. White people have no self-control. Goddamn, goddamn. Listen. Don't be like white people, y'all. Here, but you know, here we go. We're we're doing it. All right. Doug Jones in Alabama pulled the ultimate upset last night thanks to black women of gods who proved time and time again they are the most consistent and the highest proportion of folks voting in the interest of black futures. Every single fucking time. Despite being the only ones with the moral fortitude to not allow a racist, sexist pedophile represent the state of Alabama, the Democratic Party continues to ignore this prestigious and elite voting bloc. 98%. According to an article published in the New York Times on November 29th titled, Black voters could sway an Alabama Senate race rocked by scandal. It was revealed that the highly championed Doug Jones, Democrat, campaign... And mediocre fucking candidate, we might add. Didn't see the value in creating talking points, let alone campaign promises that catered to the demographic that everybody been knew was going to win it. (laughs) As said in the New York Times article... Doug Jones' campaign manager, Wade Perry, said the candidate would not tailor his message to black voters, but focus instead on the more universal messages of job creation and health care. The Times goes on to quote Wade Perry, the campaign manager, by saying, Doug has said from day one that there is not a different message in different communities. And what we're seeing is folks are responding to our message. Because they have no other option. That's it. So let's be clear for a second. So my, I do digital strategy and campaign messaging with folks, especially this week. Just worked with a group of campaign managers. Mm -hmm. The fact that they knew that they needed to turn out black voters, but did not value black voters enough to even speak to them directly is alarming. And that should be enough to let you lose the strategy was that was laid out by this article was that they were just going to keep their message broad, but center it on um, black media because they believe that by speaking directly to black voters and doing messaging and mailing to black voters, that it would turn out more white people. So they are literally using 
white supremacy as a standard for how we engage communities of color. And this is an issue across politics where we're not talking to black people and speaking to the needs of communities of color because we're afraid of leaving out the people who are never on our side to begin with. And the thing is, they think that that tactic works while not making sure that well over, overwhelmingly, that community time and time again proves that they do not care Mm-mm. About themselves, right? Let alone creating anything for anybody outside of that community. And this was proven to be true when Doug Jones did do a mailer. He made it racist as fuck. <laughs> he literally had a black man on um, on a direct uh, mail piece that went out to people's homes. That was something along the lines of like. Would a black man be able to win doing it? Out of all the things you could have said about healthcare, infant mortality rate of black folks, the fact that STIs are on the rise in the southeast region of the country, how you can address all those things. But what you decided to do was to treat black voters like a fucking monolith and like we're fucking stupid rather than create messaging that then turns into what? Policies for our lives. So, Miss Hattie and them in Loudness County, you know, <laughs> ju- and folks like across the Alabama Black Belt, all across rural Alabama, start doing the math, you know, so much so that they got 72 to 77% of the folks who voted in the 2016 presidential race who are in rural black communities to get out and vote during this uh, election. Shocker. Now, that I ain't even heard of, y'all. To, to Especially considering the history of voter suppression in Alabama. Yeah, they literally passed voter ID where they required a photo ID in order to vote. Then they shut down 30 DMVs with the majority of them in the Alabama black belt only for black people to tap into the legacies because this is still Alabama. Right. Folks, we talking Civil Rights Act just passed 50 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, a little little over 50 years ago. So people are like, oh, well, I got to overcome some shit to vote. I remember how this go. Right. Only... <laughs> All because Selma just came out, nigga. Just did. like they got, they were like, oh, we could do that. That's we could do that. That's not you can't beat our asses without us recording it at least. <laughs> let's get a bus, right? Let's, y'all, y'all get her done. Look, we gotta travel to make sure you get this ID so <laughs> we can go vote, go to the polls, pack a lunch, and, and all of this is because over sixty percent of white women who are also mothers would rather have a pedophile represent them over a democrat yeah and these are the odds this is how white women voted not against a black candidate just a regular degular ass white man to vote for a pedophile rather than vote democrat yeah that is some sick shit yeah don't get me wrong the media the mainstream media needs to give black women every one of our accolades please but also i see you because you're trying to overshadow the fact that white women have done something very perverse, more perverse than what they did to Hillary last year. Hmm. Way more. Way like, more. Like, we expected in, in, a, in an age where white men are being accused 
of rape and sexual assault, I expect over 70% of them to, to vote for that ilk. But the fact that white women who are victims of these people... Mm-hmm. Whose children are victims of these people. Children could be victims of these people. Would rather choose oppression than the safety of their homes and communities. That is something else. Mm-hmm. And y'all, we just nationally doing politics like it's not enough for our top women's rights organizations african-american engagement to just be at essence (laughs) like y'all need to get your shit do some voter outreach run black women candidates because honestly if this is what black people can do for doug jones imagine if we had a candidate that we can actually fucking believe in and not just black just for the sake of black, because right. that's happening too. Uh, candidates <laughs> who are Give willing to represent us. the people, who are saying things like, when I become mayor, you become mayor. When I become governor, you become governor. A governor for the people, that's what I want for our states. A senator for the people, doggone. There's no more middle ground, y'all. No. You're going to have to state exactly what you believe. There's no, there's no just Republican, bad, Democrat good. No. no. Not anymore. That's over with. That's done. That's canceled. That's a losing fucking strategy. And I know in the state of Alabama, there was a lot of black organizers who were responsible for Miss Hattie Mae and all of them getting their stuff together and, and getting out to <laughs> vote. No offense to you. Y'all did a perfect job. I hope you are getting some rest. Um, and and a raise. <laughs> and a raise. The man more. You have done the, the impossible. And make sure you get an extra zero for the next time. And shout out to Black people tapping into our long legacy of overcoming so much just to exercise our right to vote. But unfortunately, we can't celebrate for too long. Republicans are wasting no time dialing up the evil before temporary pausing it for the holidays. (laughs) According to the New York Times, congressional Republicans sped forward with the most sweeping tax rewrite in decades, announcing an agreement on a final tax bill that would cut taxes for businesses and individuals while cutting the necessary tax breaks that create funding for public schools and other human rights programs, which will be the nail in American coffin they will hang their sorry ass hats on <laughs> per usual republicans pay no never mind to democrats humble ass request to be decent human beings and delay a vote until the new senator from alabama doug jones is sworn in quote I see no need to wait for Doug Jones to become a senator. We vote all the time in lame duck sessions with retired and defeated members casting votes, said Senator Susan Collins, Republican of Maine. Why did y'all even run for public office if you don't even believe in democracy? Don't believe in the process or the procedures whatsoever. Just Fuck it. We doing it live. The agreement would cut the corporate tax rate to 21%, which is lower than the current 35% rate. The corporate rate will go into effect in 2018 rather than 2019, according to a senior Republican congressional aide. They also plan to reduce the tax rate for high-income households from 39.6% to 37%. Trust me, that ain't hardly none of y'all listening to this mixtape. And if it is, I don't know why you've been leaving the PayPal so dry. (laughs) Now... (laughs) 
The agreement was finalized on Wednesday morning, just hours before the first and only scheduled public meeting of the Congressional Conference Committee formed to work out differences between the House and Senate-passed versions of the bill. So, y'all, they literally are dropping us into a process that's already been worked out. Yeah. This morning. And folks have been like, I think someone from Montana like did a Facebook Live around um, just how ridiculous it was. Yeah, they plan on having this signed by Christmas, y'all. This is how excited they are to inflict their evil. (laughs) Now, L.A., California is all but burnt down right now. But this is the press that matters right now. (laughs) Just looking like hell this time, bitch. So while Nine, as some people call the president, continues to outright lie about how the tax bill is great for everyone but him, the wealthy continues to hit a lick. They will continue to build their wealth by saving on they shitty-ass children's schooling. According to Think Progress, (laughs) can I call their kids shitty? I feel like you're calling schools shitty, not the kids. Oh, you feel that way? Yes. Okay, great. According to... Because I go slap off sometimes in these... uh... Go ahead, go off. This shit is awful. According to Think Progress, the new tax bill passed by Senate Republicans does away with crucial support for public schools while adding a provision beneficial to their private school counterparts. That move would help wealthy parents pay for private schools, including religious schools, you know, we got a whole thing called the separation of church and state, while hurting lower-income families. Under the current law, and this was on Vox as well as, I had to compile a few resources to make this happen. So Vox, Washington Post, and New York Times. Under the current law, parents can open 529 plans to help pay for future college costs. Those accounts, which differ by state, are tax-advantaged, meaning they aren't taxed, and grow as long as the money is spent exclusively on higher education. They have expanded this law to now be applied to be used for K-12 through <laughs> private schools. They're like, listen, y'all, you're going to have to fund your baby's education. That's it. But, you know... This, this, like, this sounds relatively harmless, but you know they couldn't just create some shit for themselves and leave us the fuck alone. No, they have to fuck us over in order to cover their self-created deficit from doing this kind of stuff. One way they are doing this is by eliminating crucial tax breaks. For instance, the GOP has eliminated the tax break SALT. SALT stands for the state and local tax and is a tax break that provides a vast majority of funding for public schools, which is about 90%, because the money raised by state and local government taxpayers is raised by their ability to deduct their state and local taxes. That is, They can claim the income already taxed by the local and state government. Kind of like when y'all claim somebody else's kid, so the federal government won't tax them again on that money. Mm -hmm. Y'all follow? 
So that deduction makes them more likely to support higher spending on programs funded by those taxes, including public schools. The Fed, however, is saying now, fuck all that and wants to tax that money, thereby shrinking the amount of money going into public schools. Now, what we already know is that low-income communities of color schools were already poorly funded because if 90% of funding for schools comes from income tax, (laughs) and when you come from a community with little income, you already are going to schools that don't have a lot of funding. (laughs) But, you know, the crackers... As you all know from your lack of fucking sex ed... (laughs) That's why all of y'all out here fucking terribly. <laughs> Shit. But you know, crackers are now coming to heel for their negligence. And, and this is why Ohio and shit like that are swing states, bitch. Girl. Sorry, but it's because of lack of real education. Right. So Ugh. basically, crackers are now coming to heel. <laughs> as Hillary I was said. To be like, you can't call them crackers. It's like we we the say fuck niggas. I can't? <laughs> y'all sit here and let us call niggas niggas. Y'all gonna hear crackers every now and again. Y'all can't be white people all the time. Just like black people can't be black people all the time. You minions. But let me catch you saying the N word here. I punch up. Anyway. <laughs> Literally, this can all be tracked to the whole Republican Party. Can be tracked to piss poor fucking tax funded education. But now, crackers are coming to heel <laughs> for their negligence. And now little Sally in her middle-of-the-road-ass, middle-class community that quite can't cover the expensive-ass cost of private school is about to get fucked up because the federal government wants more of that money for itself rather than giving that money to her state of the art-ass public school. In short, the white woman that HBCUs invited and reprimanded that reprimanded their college grads for protesting has done exactly what she said she was going to do. Yes, I'm talking about Bessie Davos. Create tax breaks for private school tuition by defunding public schools, thereby continuing the war on public education that we, communities of color, have already suffered way too many casualties. Mm -hmm. This highlights for me a big reason why we need to be really worrisome of folks who are doing school choice work. Like, there won't be choice. With the elimination of public schools, what we're going to look at is these charter schools are going to have to start raising money. And if they have to raise money, guess who's going to start providing that money? Corporations, rich people, this is why you have folks, I mean, Harlem Children's Zone is a perfect example. We see Jeffrey Canada all the time because he has to raise money for that school. Mm-hmm. So this now leads it, um, leaves it open to situations like with our um, aid funding with Puerto Rico, where we're going to be relying on fucking corporations to educate our kids. Yep. That's not what it, it seems like. That's it's not what it's not what you want because that means we are are seconds away from Coca Cola being in the vend, not only the vending machines but in the classrooms teaching us what you can and cannot teach your children. So basically, whenever you hear a GOP talking about uh, MS thirteen. Just know the real gang is them because their reign of terror continues. According to NBC News, state officials in Virginia started warning families this week 
that the popular Children's Health Insurance Program, or CHIP, is about to run out of money. For many families, that could mean an end to their health care unless they find someone to offer free care to their kids, according to Linda Noblo, Chief Deputy Director at Virginia's Department of Medical Assistant Services. It's one of several states that have given notice or are preparing to tell families that funding for the program has ended and Congress has failed to renew it. All right, so for those of you who aren't familiar with CHIP, CHIP is a joint state-federal health insurance plan for low-income children who don't have health insurance any other way. Funding varies from state to state, but most of the money comes from the federal government. Federal funding for the program ran out back in September, and Congress has failed to renew it. I wonder why. The continuing resolution passed last week keeps the federal government open for business until December 22nd, and it included a patch for CHIP, but that was just to move money from states that have yet to run out of cash to states whose CHIP programs were about to go broke. So pretty much they just moved the money with states with a little surplus to the less fortunate state. Virginia's program known as FAMIS, which is Family Access to Medical Insurance Security, runs out of money in February. Quote, we are hopeful that Congress will once again provide the funding to continue this program. However, because Congress has not acted yet, we need to let you know that there is a chance that famous programs may have to shut down, the Virginia letter reads. Quote, we think of it as an informational letter, Nablo added. Quote, we are trying to give families information if they need to do something for their child. We are giving them as much time as we can to understand what's going on, ask their questions, make whatever decisions they have to make, and prepare to what extent they can. The letter continues. Families should get in any medical visits they can while they can, the letter advises them. If any famous members need medical or dental care, make an appointment to visit your doctor or dentist before January 31st, it suggests. Ooh, that is a hard one, Jasmine. So when Hannah was on this, first came to this planet, she, it, it was like a year and a half before Hannah knew how to walk. Or could like couldn't crawl, y'all. Like baby girl was not able to crawl. There were MRIs, there was physical therapy, there were tons of things that had to be done to make sure that child was okay. And that was all provided through programs like CHIP. So when we think about children in Flint, Michigan, when we think about children in Virginia, when we think about children in the Southeast region. This, this is what it means to cut health care. This is what it looks like. When infant mortality rates are already so high for our communities, when we're taking mothers out of hospitals way too soon from C-sections with no follow-ups, 
with no clear directions on how to care for themselves. This is what's happening with our healthcare system. I'm so glad you mentioned Flint because we know those kids need healthcare. Period. They need it. And there are children with cancer. There are children with a lot of terminal diseases who are poor, who just about to go without health insurance. So that leads me to back in June, NPR reported that there was already, quote, an increasing number of people who are using crowdsourcing to get help. Mm. It's a sign of the scale of the problem that over half of the campaigns on sites like GoFundMe or YouCaring involve an appeal for donations for surgery or complicated births or serious illness, meaning the healthcare system was trashed even during Obama, but it's about to get even more shitty. So while y'all good Negroes giving to white child tears with parents that most likely voted for this administration, be prepared to keep giving to causes like these because your government is moving to a model of charity like we've been saying since the top of the year. And if net neutrality passes, not only will we have a system where people's ability to receive health care is based on your ability to fundraise money online, but if these corporations and government get their way and regulate the internet, your potential funders may not ever see your campaign. So, Hmm. remember, there's still time to fight net neutrality. You better bring it up. And have your voice heard. Go to www.battleforthenet.com. And that's why people have no self-control. You evil motherfuckers. <laughs> Lord Jesus. All right. Now that we have told y'all how you and your cousins are just fucking it up. And also fucking it up for yourselves. I mean, honestly. Y'all school's about to get messed up, too. You, too, will have to deal with your shitty health care. You, too, will be making crowdsourced campaigns yeah. if you haven't already. Yeah. You, you cannot know, target this type of oppression. This it's, is a clear sweep, bitch. The time to disavow yourself from whiteness is now. Really, though? <laughs> Go to the Black Joy mixtape backslash shop and get you a Black Joy ally if you bout this life, Okay. <laughs> Let let me all in them know. And stop sending me headless pictures Shut of y'all up. in the apparel. <laughs> because I can't do nothing with it. I can't put it on the site. I can't put it on the hashtag. It just looks weird. Okay? Jesse, you I told y'all crazy. the goal is for you to show up in the shirt at Meemaw House just to bring up abortion. Yeah. Now, that's not going to work with a headless photo of you. Who's the... I want the first white person <laughs> to uh, wear a GoPro camera while wearing that sweatshirt at Christmas dinner. Just, I mean... <laughs> Send it to us. We'll blur out the faces. You know? I just want to see how that shit goes. Well, what does that I can mean? Do more, I can do more with that headlessness than a picture. <laughs> so great. All and right. I ain't talking about I'm not picking out on one person. I literally told Amber this was going to happen. And we done got like two or three. <laughs> <laughs> the, All right. You all know, right. Just get it. Did. Listen. <laughs> 
Everyone's clear that your people have no self-control. It's like public knowledge right now. It's time. Every election, y'all like, listen. Do not be washing your car in my stuff now. These are your letters now. You don't be doing just any old thing in your letters now. You got to look great. I want to see them same lapel pins that you've been wearing on them nice shirts. Shut up, Jasmine. Black Joy apparel. You look (laughs) well kept and put together. Don't let me catch you playing basketball in it. I need (laughs) To be on the up and up. I want you to look better than you ever look, doggone. Look the best you can, okay? Iron. Iron. Steam that shit. Y'all gonna learn today. Send it in with your button-up shirts and shit. (laughs) Wear that shit on a Friday when you just get a fresh cut and you just got paid. You about to go hit the streets? Whatever y'all do after y'all leave super cuts, I'm not sure, but... Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I really hate Jasmine. So we got some new pledges this week or some um, resubmissions. The, the cool color colorblind collective. Got some new made just in time for for before finals. It's a fire sale, as Fall Malaya was saying. Just <laughs> out here. They trying to be in the number before the year is out. They're like, don't let 2018 come before I give my life over to being a fuck ass, <laughs> head ass nigga. So right before we hit record, we have uh, a new member. PBS suspends Tavis Smiley a peer of some of your favorite news and politics peers one of the forefathers of this black male media whatever yet they I, call it I got the covenant with black America right here on this shelf because you know I didn't know no better uh huh the one that went on the poverty tour with sponsored by fucking Walmart bitch <laughs> with a, a professor y'all seem to like that also talks about Deep care. Mm. That also there are receipts on. Tavis Smiley. <laughs> Allegedly. Following, he was suspended this week. Oh, Follow- I'm talking about the, the person with the, the writings on deep care. Allegedly. Allegedly. Until <laughs> it is confirmed. Which that will then be alleged, but most likely true. Alright, so Variety broke this story. And according to the sources, um, PBS hired attorney Taylor Wirtz who has taken reports from 10 witnesses, a mix of men and women of different races and employment levels in Smiley's organization. Most of them were former staffers. Black men don't participate in white culture. Never. (laughs) Never. We don't rape. That's that white man shit. Okay. As you follow up with, well, we wouldn't be listening after you hoes if you're coming up. (laughs) You bitch. I love black people, you dark-skinned piece of shit. What? Nigga, who is writing this? I cannot tell if you are the Klan or a Omar Johnson GoFundMe sponsor. I'm convinced that a combination. it is mostly the government and there's like a, a clan of black men who've fallen into the Right, trap. who ain't reading all the shit they need to be reading. <laughs> it's mostly the government and black men who don't actually fucking read. <laughs> who ain't read not a single word in the 48 Laws of Power, but steadily recommending it to their peers. Jasmine, why are there so many YouTube videos <laughs> calling me a bitch? Like, anyway. So- anyway. So the... <laughs> It's so 
bizarre, a, a Variety reported. Some witnesses interview expressed concern that their employment status was linked to the status of a sexual relationship with Smiley. In general, witnesses describe Smiley as creating a verbally abusive and threatening environment that went beyond what could be expected in a typical high-pressure work environment. Which that show is boring as fuck. Just like so y'all doing all that for the ten viewers who paid to watch this shit. Oh, anyway. PB fucking ass bitch. You mean Tavis Smiley is yelling at motherfuckers in a PBS show? Fucking Tavis Smiley show hasn't even updated its motherfucking graphics since like the eighties. The, the set is still the same. The set is still brown and gray. Does he still got the same haircut, nigga? <laughs> Ain't updated a tie, ain't got no new lights, no new doorknobs on the mu- When's the last time anybody has watched Tavis Smiley Live? So not hate no PBS. PBS is glorious and wonderful. We need it. Public and broadcasting is a need. All this, y'all. For what? For Tavis fucking Smiley. So you mean to tell me it's a hostile work environment and people are taking their hard-earned money to make sure you your little rust ass from the 80s can do this same tired shit? Just what work trips, Tavis? I mean, honestly, <laughs> just disgusting ass. And honestly, y'all, if this is if some of you have a story to come forth, just come forth and tell that shit. This time, it's way it's worth way more than the twenty five thousand dollar Ricky uh, Tavis Smiley was paying these motherfuckers. Like I'm sure of it. <laughs> PBS, y'all are underfunded like shit. All this for a hostile work environment for an underfunded ass news show. A badass news show. When's the last time any of us fucking watched this shit? Honestly. Where is the sitcom, reality sitcom on this shit? Not saying because, I mean, sexual harassment is not a laughing matter. But can y'all imagine people working this hard for free TV? Free fucking... (laughs) Not even Sesame Street is on PBS anymore. Like, you got the nerve, nigga. You got the nerve. The audience who was... What audience? I'm saying the kids, the parents that was watching Sesame Street with their kids who might have rolled over to this show. Because they just fell asleep with the TV on. This nigga is yelling at people. All right. So for black men not participating in rape culture, what's the next headline? Next up, since y'all just don't believe fat meat is greasy, four more women (laughs) spoke with the New York Times about the violent sexual behavior by Russell Simmons from 1988 all the way into Russell Simmons' yoga vegan zen years of 2014. Three of the women gave accounts that detail by no uncertain means how Russell Simmons raped them. Now, on last week's show, and I need y'all to get this right, we are no longer talking about sexual misconduct or sexual harassment when it comes to Russell Simmons. We are talking about rape. We are talking about a person who is forcing themselves onto women. Wow, wow. Okay? There are differences since y'all want to know what the levels are. 
Since y'all ain't raping. I mean, it's a gateway drug. If you're sexually harassing and you're sexually assaulted, I mean, where does the buck stop? For you? Like, where does it stop for you? So this is Russell Simmons again. Three, three more folks have come out to describe this. And still, what do we have from the black media? What national conversation do we have going on right now to save our own lives? Um, color of change has a marketing survey fronting as a petition to keep the likes of Roland Martin, whose response to every man participates in rape culture with, I have slept with nine women. The person who prides himself on the facts, lives by the facts, by the numbers, didn't have a single number around sexual assault, sexual violence but got the nerve to rely on an anecdote to a person who is speaking in facts. I wonder why. TV One has canceled News One Now. News One Now's last day on air will be also my birthday, I might add. So whoever's reading cards out there, go ahead and let me know what that means. On December 21st, it's over. It's the... It's the last, it's the last, uh, hoorah. It's over. It's <laughs> over now. Move over. It's our turn now. It's over. The game shut down. Niggas, not sorry. Space is wide open. Literally, as we were preparing these headlines, I mean, it's, it's just everything's going down. Look so. here. My last day will be on um, December 15th will be my last time on News What Now. I mean, it makes sense because you you cannot be blessed when you doggone invite an expert onto your show while they are minding their business in New Orleans eating beignets (laughs) and doggone having the best po' boys and the best cuisine that America has to offer to come on your rinky-dink show (laughs) in the middle of the goddamn crack of the damn morning. The sun, you know, it's wintertime. The sun ain't even up good at 7 a.m. Especially not in in the dark. Still, it's 6 a.m. in New Orleans, in fact. So, what time did you get up to get ready? Girl. So, you get up and get ready to talk about... 5.45. Show airs at 6. Oh, girl. And I want to also add, as you go into this, that I... Let's be very clear as we tell this story. I was not scheduled to go on News 1 last week, okay? Because rape culture. But rape culture was the headline of the day. And how many people did they have in their Rolodex of experts? They only had old girl that was featured in time <laughs> and Amber J. Phillips That's to talk it. about rape culture. That's it. That's nothing but the Lord. So they call my nigga up. Uh, send send my nigga a text message at 8 p.m. the day before, which I don't. That's my relationship with the producers at New One News One. It's a bunch of black women. Love them. It makes sense because again, you are the expert. You know, experts get called at the last minute on the things they have expertise in. We at the Black <laughs> Joy Mixtape gave you an entire special about rape culture. We yes. are experts on experts. rape culture. Now, generally, as you all know, on any reputable news <laughs> and <laughs> politics show. Now, on Black Joy Mixtape, we have Lord. all types of experts. We got experts on teen mamas, young mamas. We got experts on uh, black public events. We got, we got a new expert that we're going to introduce to you in a minute to tell you about crimmigration. More on that later. Amber was the expert on the Roland Martin on 
rape culture, and sexual assault. So my nigga starts talking. Roland Martin goes into his spiel trying to frame this as a white issue yes. in the black media. Only names the white men who mm-hmm. have been accused and artfully leaves out all his black ass peers. Nate Parker, uh, John Singleton. Russell Simmons. Russell Simmons, the latest one. Uh, Jesse Jackson. Now Tavis Smiley. The list will continue to grow because that's how rape culture works. Mm -hmm. Roland Martin tried to frame the conversation as um, Tom leaving out the creator of the Me Too movement, Miss Burke, from the cover of the magazine. Amber, as the expert, decided to let y'all know, well, before Tom did it, the black media did it, and here's why. Because our popular culture Mm -hmm. is filled with people who have perpetuated crimes and sexual misconduct, if it wasn't a crime, against women in films who were in and out of the industry. Mm-hmm. To which Amber makes the point, what point did you make, Amber? That all men, and specifically I'm talking to you all, black men, because I have to be in community with you, are participating in rape culture. You have the potential or you have done harm sexually to the women in your world. Period, point blank. It's very simple. It's very much like racism Mm -hmm. and white people's relationship to racism. That unless you're doing the work of anti-racism, men, unless you're doing the work of anti-rape, you are willfully and just going along with the flow of participating in rape culture. That's simple. There's no end date to that. There's no right or wrong. There's much we can do to fix it. So to this end, that means for all you black men who are in your chest. And so there's a a scale of black men's reactions. Oh, my God. On the lesser end, we got the the benevolent folks who, you know, love the Black Joy mixtape, love your girls as long as we ain't indicting them, who are letting us know that real niggas don't rape. To which... My response is always, which Roland kind of falls on this end, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the good dudes who claim they have never raped, but ain't did no follow-up survey right. on the people that they slept with. Now, right. on that survey, you cannot ask them the basic-ass question, do you think I raped or sexually assaulted or sexually harassed you? Which I don't think y'all have the courage enough to ask that question. I bet you won't. If you dig a little deeper and ask a person, have you ever had sex with me when you didn't feel like it? Um, Another question. Have I made you feel uncomfortable? Ever. If so... How, how, what can we do to work through this? So before you start proclaiming for yourself right. what you is and what you ain't participating in, let me be very clear. You don't get to make that decision. The thing that was so interesting, though, going back to this, like, one, again, called into the show to provide commentary on mm-hmm. it. As providing commentary, Roland didn't even ask me any follow-up questions on what rape culture is. Instead, he tells me and all of the viewers, I've only had sex with nine women. That is not relevant right now. And you. Not only is it not relevant, that is rape culture. 
Nobody, what, what you telling me that for? So I could be number 10? What is your age? <laughs> That's Christ. number one. Number two, it was, where is the journalistic integrity where instead, when someone says something you vehemently disagree with, I've seen Roland Martin have interviews with whole-ass white supremacists, and he not react to them in the way that he reacted to Amber. Almost mm. literally sabotaged the entire interview, asked no follow-up questions. Yeah. Had nothing to ask, but had to interrupt Amber, 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 Amber. Amber wasn't even over-talking him this time. This is nothing but an act at this point. It's mm. dramatics. Rape culture is a sub-culture right. of the culture of violence towards women and films. So without this number, this high-ass number, high-ass, undeniable number of women, black women, who are experiencing sexual assault before they turn 18. And not only that, the higher number of the likelihood of you being murdered. Right. By your intimate fucking partner. The sub of that is 50% damn near, because again, we only talk 40% is the number for 18. What's the number once we get over that threshold? Because let me tell you, the first time I was raped was when I was 19. Mm. So um, tell me more, right. please. Somebody is doing it, just like somebody is murdering black women in film. Who's doing it? One, y'all, it takes a lot of courage to have these conversations. As we mentioned last week, with even doing our own show, which is a safe space, which we know how to talk to each other about rape and rape culture. It is a large emotional lift to talk about these experiences because they're close to home. Yep. We're literally having this conversation, not because we want to, but because we want to prevent it. And we want to heal from the sexual violence that has been done to us and the women before us and the women who are raising us and all these folks. So when I go on TV to discuss rape culture and the host responds to me by yelling at me and explaining it, (laughs) by saying, you do a disservice to yourself. Guess what happens with the black men who do not have that podium, who have access to me? Mm -mm. All week, I have been bombarded with black men threatening my death, black men saying I ain't shit, that I'm a traitor to the race, calling me out of my names, saying that, well, you know, I would never be with you anyway. Talking about extracting her. We're talking about, I, I'm, I'm reading the comments, like, this part's supposed to be funny and stuff, but what, what y'all ain't gonna do is threaten my nigga with death. That's what I know. I off read that comment. Off, off of saying, off the, the weight of people, of you saying that they participate in rape culture. We ain't even said. We ain't even the, got to the rapists the likely, We ain't even got to the rapists. No. That's That's not good enough. So when you in my comments on the Black Joy mixtape and on your stuff, sharing my shit, talking about what you is and what you ain't, understand that the host on this motherfucker is in danger. So you can feel real good about your goddamn self, but the people who look just like you got the nerve. Mm. Got the nerve to be threatening the person who loves them the most 
still care about their damn kids. We about to get into what they doing to these kids. Healthcare about to do to these kids. Schools. And you got the nerve to call this person a race traitor off the weight of a bald head nigga in an ascot. <laughs> Y'all got to be the feds. Have to. This don't make no sense. This, y'all, don't, don't go click on those damn videos. But I mean, they were maniacal. They literally are video editing me and Amber's uh, responses to trolls and putting them on countless YouTube videos. Just ain't no telling what these. Mm, and this Let me is chill. one time after doing News 1, I was literally on the bus coming home. And I was in the back of the bus, and this guy in the front just says, Miss, Miss, and he's con- he's like yelling. Mind you, I'm a person, like most people who are femme walking down the street, who constantly deals with sexual harassment. At this point, I don't even lift up my head anymore. So this man is yelling at me in a full bus, embarrassing the shit out of me to the point where other the men standing next to me are like tapping me to acknowledge him. And I look up and I say, he's talking to you, sir. No, I'm talking to you. I just wanted to say next time I see you on news one, I'm just not going to say anything or I'm going to say, tell, tell her to be quiet. So, like, this shit is cute. Like, it may be fun for people. It may even be fun for Roland. But, like, in actuality, because I'm still a person who walks through this world, who lives in this city, who does not have security or anything like that, the stand you're giving people a standard for how to interact with me in my real fucking life. My name, my face, my pictures, my tweets are on some of these fucking scary ass, faceless ass, hotep ass YouTube videos because I talked about fucking rape culture on a black media platform again. Because the one who claimed to be almost 50 years old got the nerve to say he ain't never participated in rape culture but got the nerve to be in pictures with Michelle Williams who looks stiffer in the damn photo with him than she do when she doing choreography with Destiny's Child. Listen. But (laughs) y'all wanna hear it. We gonna go back and forth and editing and think about do we have to take this shit out? No, ain't nobody taking nothing out. We don't. No. And also to the black women who are listening to this, who participate in politics, like start calling these niggas out because I know y'all got stories. There's a reason why we haven't had that full panel discussion around rape culture. (laughs) Because all the ones who we would call Guess what? They real quiet right now. They silent as fuck right now, y'all. This can really turn into Queen's Court if we wanted to. Hello? Shout out to Kaya. Shout out to T.S. Madison. Now, y'all, y'all can definitely do better on the homophobia. However, (laughs) we got a lot of tea, a lot of Hennessy on a lot of your faves, you know, allegedly, you know, some of allegedly, them... Allegedly, y'all ain't about to take us off the internet, uh, shit. They talk about the Marines of care. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, uh, the... Armed Forces of Compassion. <laughs> the, uh... <laughs> the Army of Deep Like. Yes. 
Deep like. The <laughs> army of deep like. The army of deep like, y'all. Maybe your your favorite race, you know, professor. Professor. You know, they claim likes to rap his 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 morals. Preach, Preach. if you call it. Yeah, maybe. He that. also has a conk similar <laughs> to, you know, someone else currently on television that we may or may not have just talked about. The person we may or may not just talked about has sexually harassed allegedly one of our peers and we got receipts on all these folks the only reason why we can't sit up here and air them out because that is not our place but um be real clear who talking and who ain't because the thing is that violence that that shouting and stuff comes from a place of fear the folks who would because um they got a saying in uh texas they might have it in tennessee but uh a hit dog gonna holler <laughs> every time, Man. and a hit dog gonna holler. And we are committed to continue to talk to you all about rape culture, yeah. uh, the culture of violence against Black women and femmes. We don't expect you to do it in one track. We have a lot of patience, but what we don't have patience for is when your comments or you discrediting the sister Amber gets her death threats. Be very clear when you disagree, especially when you have a platform that you are putting a black woman in harm's way. All right? Okay. So that's the Cool Color Colorblind Collective. Those are um, our December pledges. (laughs) And moving on to black women, the motherfucking gods. The gods. Thank God for you black women who just keep showing up and showing out, even when people want you to stop talking. Man. So this week, um, and I swear I'm not just being petty. So I want to welcome Selma Hayek to victimhood and how we actually don't make the choice to be victims as black women, which um, Jessica Williams brilliantly explained to her. Um, but it just keeps happening because of a culture of silence and white supremacy, specifically in the entertainment in- industry. This week in the New York Times, Selma Hayek released an open letter um, that stated that Harvey Weinstein is her monster, too. So you mean to tell me, after all this, Miss Hyatt, yes, then made it a point to let y'all know she ain't a victim, only to say, hey, I too. Yeah. She literally said to Jessica Williams, who are you when you're not a woman and a person of color? You don't want to be a victim. Um, sis. But you know what? I will also offer compassion. All tons of compassion. What I also know, like, we, it's the funny will and foe, but I just want to say that it, the thing about our victimhood, y'all, if you ain't doing the work... And being just radically honest about these things, especially with yourself, you will end up miming Mm -hmm. the person who harmed you if you ain't careful. You will be the one to point people like your boyfriend to hate videos of Amber J. Phillips, even though you know this person has forced himself on you. Mm-hmm. So continue, him. And I will also add, going back and reviewing that story that Selma Hayek 
said these things to Jessica Williams, someone revealed a story about sexual assault Mm. and rape. Repeated sexual assault and rape. So to provide some context, last year at the Women in Entertainment Roundtable, Jessica Williams was sharing her views as a black black woman in the industry. Salma spoke over her, um, to which several people had to chime in to ask Jessica to finish her um, thoughts. And she said that she needs to see herself beyond being a victim. Demanded that Jessica Williams look her in the eye as she spoke to her and asked Jessica questions like, so am I a woman of color? I mention this because we play ourselves when we don't see our own liberation in the voices and calls to action of women of color, specifically black women, fighting to also exist in the same spaces that you might be trying to exist in. So today, Selma released this statement against Harvey Weinstein. She details how he threatened to kill her simply because she constantly refused his sexual advances and forced her to perform a full frontal nudity scene in the movie Frida that she made as revenge. She even states in the open letter, until there is equality in our industry with men and women having the same value in every aspect of it, our community will continue to be fertile ground for predators, she said. So, Ms. Hymack, I'm here to tell you, as someone who has only worked in women's political spaces, predominantly women who don't look like me, that sadly, even when the men go, if we do not address systems of white supremacy and racism in this country, that then this burden still falls on black women. And I'll just say... To all of you that feel very empowered by this moment, uh, specifically white and white adjacent women who see folks coming out um, as a feminist moment, I want to be very clear. If you are not, if you do not have a racial justice analysis with your feminism, you are not a feminist. Because we can no longer center the suffragettes as feminists. You know who was actually a feminist of that time? Sojourner Truth. Black feminism is the foundation of all feminism in this country. Period. The suffragettes were looking out for themselves and themselves only. I don't, even if they were fighting to make sure that they weren't property or their husbands or whatever, won't, 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 won't. No. Because guess what? Ida B. Wells was fighting for all that and then had the nerve to talk about lynching. Mm-hmm. And I'll add that the suffragettes, just like Selma Hayek, also don't have the nerve to just shut the fuck up on this issue and allow black women to speak. But instead, they actually targeted black women and black men. They um, used them to move their points forward instead of making room for them to share their points. Created propaganda on why black men shouldn't have the right to vote. Right. Because they were savages, essentially. So, no. You all do not get to wear the feminist banner if you do not have a racial justice analysis. Because if you continue to center that as feminism, you are continuing to center a very colonialist and racist agenda. And ultimately, white supremacist agenda. And like Jay-Z said, you cannot sacrifice other people for your life. 
This includes us politically. Y'all and cannot- that includes how we frame our history. Yeah. So all this stuff around y'all calling yourselves intersectional feminists, that inherently makes intersectionality come after feminism, and that's not true. That is not historically accurate, mm. period. So, yeah, that is your lesson in solidarity and anti-blackness. That when black women, if you could see yourself in what Jessica Williams was saying, we could have been free much sooner. We could have been having all these conversations much sooner. If we saw ourselves in Miss Burke, who started the Me Too movement, who now that um, she has been omitted from the Time magazine cover, even within our movement, black political movements, her agenda is not a part of the movement for black lives. Ending sexual assault and violence against women is not in the platform. So we need to really start to ask ourselves, who is being centered here? So black women of God's goes to Jessica Williams again for being the canary in the coal mine, but managing to save herself first. I'll shame. So I'd like to also give it up to the 98% of black women voters in Alabama as well. And all the women on Beyonce's creative and management team for changing the music industry with the release of self-titled, the visual experience surprise Friday release that took place four years ago on this day. Okay, we are about to introduce a new segment and our guests in just a second. But before I do, I'd be remiss if I didn't say before we go on hiatus more on that in a bit, that the enforcement of borders is why people are being kicked out of their homes and communities. Whether it's the refugee crisis that's fueling the slave trade in Libya or it's our president claiming Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, thereby institutionally and forcibly removing the existence of Palestine, creating and perpetuating this notion of, quote, illegal status is harming melanated people across the globe on the spectrum of blackness. And with that, I hand it over to Amber to kick off our new segment. So, y'all, we got a new segment for new you. Segment Some new segment alert. You know now. New segment alert. <laughs> so, as you all know from our interviews featured during Creators Month with Single Mamas and Creators Jen Stowe and Gloria Malone, to our more recent conversations featuring storyteller Morgan Givens from Dispatches Podcast. Who may or may not have been the plug way back. <laughs> and even event producer. Producer Kyrisha DeChamps, the creator of the premier Black Queer Music Festival, Honey Groove. Our community is filled with tons of amazing people whose work and stories allow us to really see the world beyond the stats and the headlines. So we're really excited to introduce this new segment that features the stories of real people just like us, just like you, that require our attention and action. Welcome to For Us, By Us, The Personal is Political. Ow. So we're so excited to have Ale in the house today. Welcome, welcome. Let's put some respect on that name. It's Sor Ale. Yes. Thank you, y'all. I'm so <laughs> I sorry. So I can't roll my R's. Welcome. Yeah, Sor Ale. <laughs> yes, correct me. You what what does that one, mean? You only get one R out of us today. <laughs> so, Not I'm three. really trying. So, <laughs> this tongue got my glasses on it, for real. Sor. Sor. Yes. Sor. 
so hard. <laughs> I feel no, and you were doing too, great. You were doing Thank great. You. So I, I pretend to roll the R's, you know. Um, <laughs> you're doing but a great job. But what does job. that mean? Because I don't speak nobody Spanish. But yeah. I love my cousin so much. I love you, Ale. Yeah. Okay. Sword well, Sor Ale actually is. Um, I was learning about one of my. Uh, role models, actually. Her name is Sor Ana Inez de la Cruz. And Sor is a name that nuns actually picked up in front of whatever their chosen name was. Mm-hmm. Because so, it means... Because it means hermana, sister. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm totally the sister. You know what I'm saying? So I adopted that. But because I really relate to her. She, back in the day, it was illegal for women to learn um, and educate themselves and, and teach men, right? Um, so she basically was like, the only way I can actually get to learn and read books was to be locked up in a covenant, you know, mm. be Catholic, but so I ain't, bitch, because I'm queer and I fuck bitches and <laughs> I'm, I'm out here me. living and I'm out here doing me. So she was in, in there. In this covenant. But, but I'm going to be safe. I'm a protector. The, patri- <laughs> the patriarchy, though, literally led her to insanity. I mean, they locked her for mad long times, took away her books, did everything to break her down. And she was living and loving and fucking uh, but she left a legacy, you know, and she made a big impact on me because that's how I feel I am, right? I'm going to keep pushing back. Mm-hmm. I don't have to fit into your box. I have all these multiple identities, and I don't have to make you smile as long as I make you cringe most of the time. Yay! <laughs> so not only are you the first Mexicana we've had on the mic, okay, you are right. here teaching us Spanish, putting respect on the ancestors' name. How do you, you know? say joy in Spanish? Uh, felicidad. So, mm, yo, alegría. Alegría. No. Negra. Alegría negra. Puta. <laughs> Mixtape. El disco, el disco, el disco de alegría negra. Whoa, El disco de alegría negra. Hey, what what is it? <laughs> you gotta say, no, do, do it again. Wait. Hey. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're gonna be a part of the intro, wait a minute. <laughs> Go, Amber. This is Amber J. Phillips, the High Priestess of Black Joy. And this is Jazz, the King of the South. And you are about to listen to... El Disco de la Alegría Negra. Hey, what do you do? Ow. <laughs> Bilingual, bitch. Bilingual. I can add that to the canon, you right. know, of the few Spanish words I do know. Su nueva madre. Your new mother. <laughs> Cause I'm your stepmom, <laughs> you know. Cause black without borders, niggas. Black without borders. <laughs> we expanding right. blackness. Yes. We're opening that shit up. Melanation. There Absolutely. you go. Shout out to all that Afro Latinas. Yes. Hey, black hey, Jubilee. Mm-hmm. All right. So that was fun. Thank you for translating our mixtape, Alex. <laughs> no problem. It's a I'm, I'm gonna learn how. To, I'm gonna listen back and learn how to say that shit for real. Honestly, like when truly. I speak to different audience, like welcome to the disc of the black mixtape. <laughs> and to be fair. <laughs> Disc is the, el disco is like the disc, right? The CD. So Mm -hmm. I don't think, or I would have to think if there's a word for like mixtape, right? That might be their new Spanish, you know, their trap Spanish Uh, that's happening. No, it would be like el mixtape, coño, el mixtape, homie. Like, Mm -hmm. that's just, (laughs) I love it. El mixtape, you know? So we're we're Spanglish, we speak English and Spanish. Store Ale is here to talk about crimigration, which is the intersection of criminalization and immigration but before we totally get into that if y'all have seen or heard Sora Ale before it's because sound she familiar, niggas. is one half of the bad bitches of bad and bruja <laughs> and yes. which y'all know Malaya 
Where's Sunshine Yes. You all love her. This is the second half of uh, Brown well, and Bruja. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Thank, Thank you so much. We love your IG. We love all the work y'all are doing. These are our homies, y'all, who just have really great stories as well, whose lives are real as fuck. Yeah, they have a great video about what to do with tampons. Other Spoiler alert, don't. Yeah, we're <laughs> talking about some fuckboy shit. We're about to, like... Those are my <sighs> favorites, I must say. I mean, we're just trying to navigate what it's like to be Bruja as fuck, Brown as fuck, in this, like patriarchal white supremacist ass world and how we rebel right because brujeria also for me um is 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 defense right strategizing how to like protect myself Mm -hmm. um and that's why we're here right because i'm literally under the hands of of the department of justice under the department of homeland security i've been under the criminal system so when we go back to immigration that is the the criminal system and the immigration system where they both intersect. So mm-hmm. people like me who are living as undocumented people kind of do like a get like a double jeopardy, mm-hmm. right, when it comes. So I can do something um, and go to court and then also have to f- go to immigration court and face double those things. Yep. So they basically trying to lock up a bad bruja and we can't have it Mm-mm. at all. Not only lock her up, but also have her leave our good graces, our community. Right. And not on our watch. Not on our watch. Not without this platform. Not without the Black Joy Jubilee having the final say. Okay. And we got action steps for y'all after y'all hear this amazing story mm-hmm. from Ale. Yeah, because the Black Joy Jubilee does turn up. We hear about y'all clicking on these links, donating, doing all the amazing things. So we're going to hop into like why you're joining us today, Ale. Yeah, I could have just done a whole what, Keaton video and been like, I'm being bullied by Department of Justice. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying so hard to ignore that fucking that story I'm, like, I'm not can, covering it. Can I'm I not. get some fucking money? Is yes. that all I gotta do? All I needs 50k, y'all. Here Straight we go. Straight up. So tell us a little bit about yourself. We've already mentioned Bad and Bruja, but tell us more about who you are and why you're here today. Yes, thank you so much, y'all, for inviting me. I I want to just be real and say this is the first time where I'm actually going to speak about my story. It's exclusive. about that fucking time. Y'all got an exclusive, and it just so happens that it's in, in a black femme-led space, like yeah. it should be. So thank you so much for allowing this uh, this opportunity for me. It, it makes it more comfortable for me, right? Because it's always a very nerve-wracking to expose your story when you know about retaliation, when you know that the government that wants you is the corrupt government, right? Is the criminal that we all fear. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you so much for doing that. But um, so yeah, my name is Alejandra. I am I am Mexicana and I am from Arizona slash Santana, California. So I'm from the West Coast. I moved out to DC to get away from Border Patrol, <laughs> honestly. Um, and I got away after I was uh, released from probation. Um, I'm a current activist for um, anything anti-enforcement. Uh, I'm an abortion right. activist. I am a volition of prisons and detention centers. And um, basically, I'm, I'm fighting a case right now, and I'm building my own campaign right now to try to stay in this country. Mm. So that is to say, not only you have been incarcerated, but you are undocumented, right? That's fair to say? 
Yeah, and I don't know if people use this term, but I'm like a newly undocumented person. So my mom got uh, citizenship through the Amnesty in 86 by Reagan. Reagan gave the opportunity to um, immigrants who were here either as agricultural workers or um, people who just were residing here um, before a particular year. I think it was 82. Um, So my mom and my dad actually naturalized through that. So we were Mm -hmm. already living here. Um, My mom actually got mad at my dad um, and left to Mexico. and tried to come back when she was a little bit too big. She had a passport back then. Like I said, she got her amnesty in 86, but I was born in 85. So they saw her a little bit big, and she actually had to have me in the border. So I was um, I was a border baby for reals. <laughs> and then I just, you know, I came to the United States. And back then, life was different, in the, and especially in the West Coast and, and in California. And I grew up, so I lived in Santa Ana, California, which is little Mexico. There's Mex- it's all Mexican people. And um, that's where my mom got her amnesty. So what's the difference in amnesty and citizenship? So yeah, so amnesty was just, um, so right now they can pass an amnesty, for example. Mm-hmm. Trump can be like, I'm going to give everybody an amnesty, which he fucking won't. But So that's what Reagan did. So it was just an opportunity, kind of like... Um, he gave an amnesty for who, though? For people who were um, agricultural workers and were working at that time, and or people who had already been residing for a period of time in the United States. Mm-hmm. So allowed all those people that can prove that they were here or that they were working as an agricultural worker to apply for legal permanent resident card, which then led my mom to be a naturalized citizen. Um, the important the important thing about this story that I'm sharing is the fact that um, I was there the whole time with her, yet I didn't get any type of legal status um, mm. at all. So nobody ever told my mother she should apply for me. Right back then, there was a myth, and just people thought if your ba- if your kids are little and they're young and they're minors, they automatically derive from whatever you have. My mom was a citizen. Um, so my mom felt really guilty, actually, when I ended up being in prison for almost two years um, when I was an, a young adult. So how old were you when you found out that you did not have legal status? So we were living in Santa Ana, California, like I said, and I would turn 16. We already had been living there for 16 years. My mom's had status for that long, and I wanted to work. I was 16, wanted to work like everybody else. Um, and they told me I needed a social security, which I didn't have. And I just went to go get it. And it was the immigration department, which is the uh, USCIS. So that's where I went to go get it finally at 16. My mom already had been naturalized for about two years at this time. And I went. Everything was simple. They gave me my social security and my uh, work permit. Mm. But two and a half years later, they gave me my actual resident card. Um, so I was already an adult, 18. This is important because... Later on in my adult life, I made some mistakes, and they said that because I um, deri- I got my legal permanent resident card when I was an adult, I can't get anything from my parents. Mm. Um, so being an adult, so the broken system, how slow it is, right? Because for me, I tried to fight and, and argue that, hey, I applied at 16. I've been here my whole life. I can mm. show you records. I've been at school. We've been getting dentist appointments, doctor's appointments. Um, I've been here, but they were like, oh, well, it's just, that's just how slow the system is, and you really technically didn't become legal till you were 18 and a half, which means you can't take any citizenship from your parents, Mm -hmm. Um, which is why we're here now talking about my uh, immigration case and Mm -hmm. um, this campaign I'm building, too. So just to clarify, when you went down there at 16 to get your workers permit, and they even gave you a Social Security number that did not, at that time, guarantee your citizenship. Like it should have. Like, yeah. Yes, like it should have been automatically, right? Right, but they waited until after the 18-year-old deadline. Right. 
Absolutely. So um, they they do that all the time. People get lost in those cracks because it's a slow system. They say they don't have enough people working, right? But we also have service people that are working with my mother. She worked with lawyers to apply for her immigration status. She worked with USCIS um, you know, staff, and nobody ever asked her. And I'm sure I was with her. I'm sure I was with her (laughs) many times. We didn't have any other family there, right, to take care of us. So, like, and nobody told her that she should put she put me in the system. So um, Mm. that's what really, really happened. And um, later on when I got in trouble, that's where both of us felt the guilt, right? She was very guilty for not knowing to put my paperwork in. Um, It caused a lot of grief between us because I blamed her for a while, even though, you know, the only one to blame here is the Department of Justice, the the Department of Homeland Security, right? That they're just here literally to break up families, to build into the profit of building these beds, these private prison, and militarizing our families, our homes, you know? Homes that we built, that we've we've built here. So you mentioned, like, um, as a young person, like, getting in trouble or making mistakes, right? Which we all have. Um, How has your immigration status impacted these um, encounters that you're having within the criminal justice system because you're a young person who has gotten pulled over or gotten in trouble with folks. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, it's it's not one thing, it's another, right? Um, But it just really feels like I cannot make any mistakes. I'm 32 years old now, still dealing with things that happened when I was 24, Mm. 25. Um, Things that I'm still paying criminal restitution for. but what is happening right now is um, I have this this case for these possessions of paraphernalia. So as a legal permanent resident, um, you can have anything drug related, right? And this can mean, and this can mean anything from you having a bag with some weed in it, from you having a pipe. Um, and with they, no drugs. With no drugs in it. It could have residue of some drugs, right? Um, and you can get a paraphernalia. You can get a felony paraphernalia. Um, But there's a lot of people that are being funneled into immigration over drug offenses right now. So that was the same case for me. So once I got into the system um, and I got my first DUI, um, I was put on probation for about four years for my first DUI, which I did two months in 10 city with Arpaio. So I was racially profiled by Arpaio as well, right? That is the the, the long decade of people from Arizona fighting um, enforcement there and racial profiling for brown people. So I got my first DUI there, received two months of 10 city. I lived in a tent in Arizona. And after that- And it was called the tent city. It's called tent city. Which was why Arpaio was like really held. Hot Um, as fuck. People were doing interviews from all over the country and he was like, literally just showing people off. It was awful. Um, after I'm done with 10 City, I get four years unsupervised probation. Because you got a felony. Because I got a felony six undesignated. Oh, Correct. Wait, so you got a first felony DUI. for your first DUI? Yeah, lawyers out here don't know what the fuck they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. And also back then, I did not know, right? I wasn't this person right. that I am now. So I made mistakes. I took pleas I should have never taken, right? Um, and that's a whole other story about pleas and being forced into taking these just outrageous sentences. So the lawyer who is trained as a criminal lawyer encouraged you to plea. Yes. Rather than considering your immigration status when giving you this advice, correct? Correct. And let's and let's even talk about not even the immigration status here, right? The fact that literally for my first DUI, this criminal lawyer is okay right. with me pleading to two months, 10 city, when people, white people are doing 24 hours. Right. right. They're like, pick me up, baby. I'm going to be done and... No, like, and I'm out there doing two months, 10 city, coming home to four years probation. Of course I'm going to get pulled over again. Right. And and spoken to, right? Especially if I'm in my nice-ass Mustang, my red Mustang that just 
is shining all the time. But I got pulled over again, <laughs> right? Like a year later. And um, that time I, um, again, it was a DUI, but it was a weed DUI. My car smelled like weed. I showed this person like... Um, this officer literally was like, you can be high up to 48 hours. And I'm like, dude, I got high last night. Like, I'm I'm not high right now. I'm driving well, you know. Which, he- if that's the case... <laughs> Where, who is your plug? Who the fuck is your plug? Who is right? Because you got that gas. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm whatever. Bad. We had a Jasmine's birthday. So it's like this person. <laughs> exactly. And I know. Oh, man. I'm right. still hot right now. Right. <laughs> That's a lot. That's a Where's Qualifa? That Snoop Dogg. I totally looked at him and I said, where do you get your weed from? Like, I didn't understand. And I'm literally, like, there's no way, right? Like, also, Because white people like... Oh, I can't do that. <laughs> you can't smoke with them. They got a lace blunt. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I we said no commentary. Right. Right. No commentary. We shit. Oprah right now. We are trying to be Barbara Walker, y'all. So not Barbara Walker. Fuck her. Oprah. Oprah. Uh-huh. And we gonna let Ale tell this story without getting too hyped and going down our own <laughs> Black I'm Joy rabbit hole. We'll do that after the interview. All right. So if y'all like, why are Jasmine and Amber cutting up? We're we are focused. We're trying. We are interviewing. We are we are going to get this we're, right. We're trying to get a spinoff. Okay? <laughs> Alright. Everybody behave. Behave. Everyone shut the fuck up. We're trying to get this Pulitzer right. of podcast. They taking black news off the TV every day. We, we gotta prove ourselves. We gotta be able to say we can shut the fuck up in the interview. Okay. Back in. Okay. okay. Alright. I'm watching y'all. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> <laughs> we we still gotta put the black joy in it. All right, go. So, yeah, absolutely. You sound fucking right. And it, this shit is a fucking joke when you think some slaps help me tell yeah. my fucking story too. You're doing great, Ale, and I'm glad you're here sharing this story with us. So you were talking about being a young person, you know, getting charges that literally just Everybody come and go. Getting charges while on probation. So essentially this meek meal narrative that right. has everyone talking about the injustice that is the probation system, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where your freedom is constantly um, compromised. So can you give us a little um, more around how does your status impact, you know, something like reoccurring offenses while being on probation? Um, Yeah, that's a great question because particularly just recently in July, um, the Department of Justice and DHS was able to bring that old DUI that I was just speaking about and charge me again for it. What? Ten years later? Yeah, basically. um, I have this, um, and you know, I have this immigration case, like I said, and it's... um, don't have to get into any details, but what happened in July is that they came back and added a crime involving moral turpitude, um, which is basically just a crime that says, you know, this person has committed a crime similar to the one before, and you can't trust her. (laughs) They're talking about me in that way. Um, And uh, they added that, right? Something like, I've been home since I was locked up in Eloy Detention Center for two years, from 2011 to 13. I've been home been abiding by everything. I check into parole. I'm on ICE parole right now. I check in every six months. Now that I live in D.C., I check in as when I go back to courts. But I've been on ICE parole for about four years now, um, checking in all the time, going through that shit, which every time that I check in, that shit looks like a detention center. Like, it's awful, y'all. So um, still having to go through all of that after I've came home, after I paid a $10,000 bond, after me and my family came up with $9,500 to pay for a bond for me to come home and wait 
for my cases to be heard because I lost. I got deported in, in, in there, right? So I am in appeals right now. Um, so what, what happened is I'm going through appeals, going through my court, and all of a sudden I get a, a, an email from my lawyer that says, we have really bad news. Uh, DHS just charged you with a crime involving moral turpitude over your 2010 DUI. Basically, when I went to court this last time, the... The judge was ready. He was ready with his decision and said, I'm, I'm deportable. I'm definitely deportable. And with the adi that addition of that new charge that DHS just filed. Um, so, I mean, this is just a very delicate time, right? Uh, the Department of Justice is finding just ways for us to literally be funneled into, this, in, into detention centers to get deported. Um, for me, uh, in 2004, there was a very particular law that passed that affects my life. Um, there was a probation and parole raid law that passed, which allowed um, DHS and Department of Justice to work with probation officers and parolee officers and all of that to funnel people um, to them so they can get deported. Um, so even if we're like abiding by everything, even though, because like I said, I, um, I, was, I, I was put on probation and that's where I got caught up with immigration. ICE officers were at my probation. My parole officer called them or somehow I got flagged, but she called me and was like, you need to come. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I don't come till whatever other day. And I remember just being like, okay. And I didn't think nothing of it, and I went. And that day changed my life forever. That's when I was like, oh, shit, I'm really undocumented. Like, for reals. I can't come home. So you mean to tell me, uh, and I'm thinking about timelines. You are talking about being on ice parole. Like, you're using a lot of the same language used when someone is wrapped up for just criminal charges. So you're saying that while this administration, nine, as we call it over here, 45, as other folks call it, et cetera, et cetera, you served time in a detention center during the Obama administration, and then retroactively, this administration has gone back to bring that up, basically, yeah. and, and say, essentially, that... Moving forward, you are one of those quote-unquote illegals that can't be trusted, correct? And that are type priority and that we need to get out. Exactly. And this is going on at the same time where you're, you are becoming an organizer, um, where you're working in activism, which is how we all know each other, too. So can you tell me a little bit about how you got into organizing and how this has impacted your activism? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I got into organizing basically when I got picked up by ICE, when mm -hmm. I literally got kidnapped by them and got taken into, into a detention center, a private CCA detention center in Eloy, Arizona, which was about an hour and a half from mm -hmm. my family. Luckily, we have a little bit of privilege in my family. We were able to come and visit me, right, and have that access to even touching me and getting there. But a lot, it's, it's, it's far away, right, how we do all the prisons, it's far away from your communities. Just like a prison, that's when I understood, like, I'm in prison. I'm not in a detention center. Don't get it twisted. Mm -hmm. So that's when I first knew, like, whoa, this is going to be the rest of my life forever. I started helping people in there. They didn't speak English, right? You have, a, you have officers that you guys hear about that do all this corruption, and um, those are the same officers that are in detention centers that don't know the language of people that are crossing the border. So I was in there for a reason, and I changed my life, y'all. I changed my life. I came home in 2013 to organizing. Uh, to, basically, I was in, uh, the next, within a month, I was um, in D.C. doing the Fast for Families campaign, which is an immigration reform campaign, and that's where my activism really started. And naturally, because of my identities of being a person who has felonies, a person who's had abortions, a person who just fights the patriarchy and white supremacy, um, 
that that is how right now I'm able to even just survive in fighting and moving forward because I have communities like that that are doing this work, right, that are really um, um, having my back when, like, I'm literally building a campaign for my own case, you mm-hmm. know, to trying to stay here because at the end of the day, people get sentenced, people go through torturous things in prison, people go for away for a long time, and then that's it. You come home, and then you deal with the shit that you got to deal with. But for us, undocumented people, we got a whole other system to go through, which is why we say crimmigration, the criminal and immigration systems, right, that, that we have to face. And it's not, it's not over yet. I still mm-hmm. have my court coming up in March, um, and that's only my first court where I turn in an application because, like I said, they already see me as deportable, so I had to intervene and tell them that I wanted to apply for political asylum. So there is some key differences. Do undocumented people, for instance, have access to a public defender? Absolutely not. Um, in immigration, you do not have, you have your own burden to get your own lawyer. With just a caveat that in New York, that is a new law that the Immigration Defense Project did pass. So in New York, if you are a legal permanent resident, you can receive a public defender. But that's the only place there. Wow. Hopefully we get to shadow those things everywhere else. But no, I was, you have to find your own lawyer. So people that are coming literally to ask for help as refugees and maybe don't even speak our language, have to have all the access and the privilege to be able to survive and, and, and you know, move through those, the navigation, navigating through that immigration process. So you mentioned that you want to now, with 45 literally causing the funneling of you through this immigration system to be seen as deportable, you are seeking political asylum. Um, can you talk more about that? Because I also know that you're a reproductive justice advocate. So how is um, political asylum and your activism coming together to fight your deportation? Yeah. And why? That's a good question. Thank you. I mean, now that I'm literally, like I said, oh, I'm deportable. Like, that's literally a thing. They really want me out. Like, I am that threat. It hit me, right? Like, I can literally go to Mexico somewhere, a place that I once maybe could have called home. Um a place that literally can kill me. Like, everything that I do here, being a reproductive justice organizer, being an anti-enforcement organizer, um, and being just an organizer for the people, right? Like, the poor people. Um, there's violence against activists, activism and activists in Mexico. Um, there's violence and imprisonment, people who decide to take ownership of their bodies and make decisions for their futures. So if You're I were... specifically talking about abortion. abortion. If I were to go back to Mexico and, and continue being the person that I am, because I will, um, and I still decide not to want to be a parent, like, I can actually go to prison or be killed for having an abortion there. Right. The only place that it's le- it's legal is in Mexico City, the capital. But that's definitely not where I'm from. Um, so right now, being faced with like the, the the direct fear that I'm like literally feeling when I think about having to go back to Mexico, because as far as I'm concerned, the judge made his decision. I'm just buying time right now because asylum is not given to people in Mexico. There's nothing that the United States sees credible because we and we won't go into that. But we have a really good relationship when it comes to being corrupt. Right. Mm-hmm. And Mexico is the godfathers of being corrupt as well. So me being this person and my political ideals, the work that I do, I'm always going to do this. Mm-hmm. And I literally fear for my life. Right. Because I'm not going to not, not do what I do. I'm not going to not defend my body, my rights and my people and my communities wherever I go. So I'm really, really fucking scared. And, and this political asylum 
is is what can really save me is what can keep me here is what can it is, is what can keep me with my citizen family mm-hmm. right it's what can keep me here with my community and the work that I do against anti you know enforcement and policing and just immigration in general like it's it's also scary, right? Like I here speaking right now, I'm just thinking of retaliation from right. our own government here, right? And it's just it's a lot. I feel it. I feel it in my neck and my back. I feel everything that I'm carrying that I've been carrying because if we're talking about people com- doing making mistakes when they're young and being punished and learning, I fucking learned. Look mm. at me. I fucking learned. You know, I work in all of the areas that are like I don't know, like a model citizen, right? And like, what else can I do? Even right. working to improve the community, right? right. And, and it comes naturally, right? Like, and, and, but I'm a target. Mm. I am a target now of being we, deported. Right. And now we need to be organizing around you. One, Ali, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Like, we love you so much. You're, you're a part of our community. And to me, you have taught me so much about the um, criminal justice system and the immigration system because I didn't know how much Im- immigrants were criminalized that people really do see you all that detention centers are jail um, they're imprisonment so for all of you all who are listening who want to just stay in contact with Ale and to keep her encouraged where can we follow you on social media yes and y'all know I need all the encouragement <laughs> um, my Instagram is like Jazz mentioned uh, Sor Ale, which is S-O-R underscore A-L-E-E. That's my IG. That's where I'm most um, active on. Popping. Right. You can find me on Facebook as Alejandra Pablos. And my Twitter is actually a little bit different, which I should probably brand together. But it's Ale La Plebe, A-L-E-L-A-P-L-E-B-E. Um, so you guys can totally find me on there. I'm always uh, keeping folks updated. Um, I do talk a lot about my case. I will be sharing a fundraising link so folks can can um, can support me in that way. This shit is costing money. It takes right. up a lot. Last time I went to court, y'all, my cable got cut off. I was broke as fuck. And that's when I was like, yo, I got to I gotta start thinking of how to fundraise. Um, so that's a big way. And also just keeping in tune with organizations like Mi Gente, uh, mm. Detention Watch Network, uh, the Immigration Defense Project, um, Families for Freedom, folks that are really, really um, doing work uh, for the, in, you know, formerly incarcerated people, whether we're in like a criminal s- in, uh, system or the immigration system. Um, right now, that, this is going to be the future of what we're going to be talking about. Uh, is the Department of Justice criminalizing folks in every in every uh, movement, um, and they're going to try to pin us against each other, and they're going to try to blame MS-13, and right. absolutely, the fuck not. The only criminals here are them. Those are the only people we're scared of in my community. Don't fake the funk. We don't have no MS-13 people in our communities like that. So we're done with criminalizing, and I think just by people being active and and following. Um, the stories that like a lot of people like Puente right from Arizona, La Colectiva in Virginia, which is a Latinx group um, that I uh, help start, and we fight enforcement against um, ICE and detention centers in Virginia. So right now, this is what what folks need to start listening to and hearing, so we can start defending each other. You know, because like you said, from McNeil to myself, still being you know um, harassed by the Department of Justice since you know for for old as mistakes that I've made. Like I can make mistakes. Like, I can't fucking just be a young-ass person. Right. Like, when is it fucking over? And I don't see my case being over till another few years. So the fundraising is going to be there. Y'all can definitely um, keep track. So thank you so much um, for allowing me to, like, be here. 
protect Sword Ale by any means necessary. Any means necessary. And doggone, let me be clear. This IG now, she gave y'all a lot of resources to follow. And, you know, all, all the melanated people across the spectrum <laughs> of blackness need to be following all that. And let's be clear. This is a baddie. Bad. Right? The IG is popping. Okay, goddamn, I like put that hip out, let y'all know what's up, you know. Hey, mouth. I know we gonna need some subtitles for a little while. What you gonna be? Sí, la guerrera muy buena. And also, y'all can follow Brown and Bruja, B-R-W-N-X, Bruja. That's where we'll also be talking about the navigation through this fucked up yeah. system. And no. where Mal- Malaya can, can, you guys can also meet Malaya, my beautiful other half, which I miss so much. <laughs> been here. Shout out to Malaya. Yay. Yeah. And don't be spelling Bruja with no H. Y'all will not find it. It's <laughs> B-R-U-J-A. Like Django. <laughs> <laughs> well, it got started with a D. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm brushing up on my Spanish. And your alphabet, I see. <laughs> Just I know there's some kind of grammar rule that I'm not quite sure of. Something's silent in that motherfucker. I'm so confused about Django, though. Just a quick tangent. <laughs> I thought uh, niggas in slave couldn't read. How he know to be silent? Right. <laughs> Like, he was also dressed Django. like a fucking dandy, so <laughs> slave narratives actually don't have to make sense. This is All great. Right. They can actually be black exploitation right. films if they got to be. It's all great. right. Made by black person. Made by time. black person next time. All yeah. right. Thank you, Ale, for coming to the Black Joy headquarters and gracing how do you say Black Joy mixtape again? El disco de la alegría negra. Eh, que pasa? Ow. <laughs> Big ups to Ale for that Man. powerful interview. Love her two pieces. She sounds so great. Right. Like, she just has a great voice also. I Let me just say, listen, in order to be the best, yes. you got to rest. You got to plan. You got to plan and you got to take a step back. Look at the abundance of your harvest, and you come back better than ever before. Do you understand? You you can't be swimming. Talking about, I'm just out here grinding, just every Ain't day. Ain't seen the back of your eyelids. Just swimming against the tide. Mm-mm, just staying that. in one spot. And while we're happy that we have grown from five listeners <laughs> to twenty <laughs> listeners to a hundred to averaging about two thousand of y'all, according to the SoundCloud stats, because again, iTunes ain't giving up none of them numbers. We done did a TED Talk. Mm-hmm. Amber just keep getting on television, doggone. <laughs> keep being invited to do panels. I have moved on to start working with the National Network of Abortion Funds. Fund abortions now. Please. And we also need to take a brief break to make sure that we have a plan. Mm -hmm. Me and Amber is so proud of our first year here at the Black Joy Mixtape (laughs) that we have the audacity to come back with a plan and volume two. Volume two coming out? (laughs) So this week is going to be our last full show. We got a surprise track, y'all. And if you look at the track listings, not the numbers on iTunes, but if you look at Mm -hmm. the track listings, you might actually have a hint 
of what this surprise can be. Try to guess what it is using the hashtag BlackJoyMixtape. But Amber, when will we return? So we will be back in Blacker Than Ever on February 2nd. So we're taking off uh, January. And, you know, just bringing back Black History Month stronger than ever before. Man, we are doing a talk at... Oh, yeah, and we'll be, for those of you in Orlando, we will actually be at Rollins College on uh, Martin Luther King Day giving a talk. Yeah, I don't know if they released the advertisements, but, yeah, we are giving a talk Should at it come Rollins. through, you deserve Remember, we are open for bookings. You can hit up the Black Joy Mixtape at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We actually talking to some cool folks in Seattle. I can't give any further details, but we can come to your institution too. Would love to. You this know. is now is the time if you want to bend our ears, figure things out. January is the time to send in those requests. But yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for us to revamp. We learned a lot about ourselves and our work this year. My God. Man. And we're just just growing and being abundant. And also, y'all take care of yourselves. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to take care of yourselves. And this is one of those things that just is needed. Man, and I would just say that Amber is definitely podcast bae. <laughs> I, like I spend so much time with Amber J. Phillips yes. every week to work life. <laughs> get the black Just joy mixed. Always set. here, bro. <laughs> like, what always. else do we do? I literally hate when people ask me what I'm doing on Wednesday. I'm just like, you know, I can't cook. I can't do it. <laughs> Duh. Do you see what we're doing right now? Black news is being canceled every day. Look, Tavis Smiley gone shit. <laughs> Tavis Smiley. Rolling canceled. <laughs> the Breakfast Club, nigga, y'all might want to shit. I mean, at one point, the, the, the Breakfast Club was a little in flux there. I don't <laughs> know how they avoided that. Man, Charlemagne started changing his tune. Right. Uh, Just his little segments on rape culture and everything. I don't know if he started reading or he got a... a, a a, a crisis management team to <laughs> get his talking points they together. They coming for me, nigga. King Don't give the day goes to me. <laughs> I hope a black woman got buku coin for that. Right. Listen. <laughs> anyway, while we're gone, please take the opportunity to, one, check out our TED Talk on YouTube. You can find that at bit.ly backslash black with a capital B joy capital j talk capital t again that is bit.ly backslash black joy talk and make sure you follow us on twitter and instagram of course we will always be talking back to y'all at black joy mixtape and again january is the time to hit niggas up if you try if you're in dc you're trying to intern We're still looking for those. What skill do you want to practice to build black futures that centers black women, girls, and femmes? We want to hear from you. Yeah, so we'll be reviewing resumes. We'll be doing a strategic plan because, again, I told y'all the goal and the number is 50,000. If me and Amber can't even scratch half of that alone, hey, who knows? Amen. And, you know, also continue to advocate for us to be on your local television shows. Maybe we can be on PBS. Shit. (laughs) Y'all got it? 
<laughs> what Walmart got on it? <laughs> dig? No, so, who doing some good work? Maybe uh, you know, the new improved Uber got some on it. You know, since they hiring black <laughs> or you know, street fashion brands blogs. You know, I'm trying to get Adidas. Have they fucked up yet? I don't know. Girl, capitalism. Um, maybe oh, Parkwood. Yes, Parkwood. Parkwood. Oh, Y'all, yeah. does Parkwood do a podcast yet? This this some shit you want to get into, Beyonce. Say Haran. I know yes. y'all want a podcast. I know y'all y'all must be in development. That's <laughs> have to be. Also, do not forget to use the hashtag your favorite moments on the Black Joy mixtape to share with your people. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're tagging them. And also, do not forget that Black Joy mixtape has apparel for you. Now, you you can also make your non-tax deductible end of the year contribution to your favorite news and politics podcast by visiting paypal.me backslash black joy. Again, that is your non-tax deductible end of the year contribution to <laughs> the black joy mixtape. See, I knew it now I'm gonna laugh out of Amber. <laughs> she wasn't paying attention the first time. <laughs> I wasn't. My mom called me. Don't blame me. Hannah will call a bitch back to back. Also, y'all, right click subscribe. Leave us a message of kindness and love on iTunes. So what's your what's your end of the year hope for black futures, Jasmine? Solidly that Sora Ale mm. Sis Ale gets the amnesty she deserves and that all our undocumented people don't even have to subject themselves to that bullshit ass title because we belong here regardless of any border. My hope for Ale's protection and her peace. Mm. I don't know how you sleep at night, and I want you to sleep at night. So, yeah, it's peace and safety. That's what I will say. Ashe. Ashe. Great job, Jasmine. Great job, Amber. Volume two. This is Amber J. Phillips, the high priestess of Black Joy. And this is Jazz, the geek of the South. And you just listened to the Black Joy mixtape. Hey, what it do? Hey. I speak that guala guala, that peso pounded dollar, that uchi walla walla, Puerto Rican mama mama, come holla at your guala, they hootin' and they holla, that plot to no banana, roll my weed in my fanta, I speak that